What is good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the What's Your Opinions podcast. It's me, it's Eli, coming at you guys with another fantabulous week of football. Yeah, I know, I'm not a lot of energy right now, I'm a little mad, I'm still a little pissed that the Niners couldn't get the win. Yes, we're already into week three of the NFL, we got some winners, we got some losers, we got a couple picks that didn't get to go through, but other than that... Really good week of football, but before we even get to talk about that, because this is mainly our sports episode now of the week, and like I said, I'm your guys are guaranteed the sports episode of the week. It isn't sports unless I talk about, well, you know, boxing. Well, to me. Uh, just this past weekend, there is a new champion in the welterweight, uh, not the welterweight, the heavyweight division that belongs to Alexander Yusek having a monstrous performance, a masterclass clinic, you could say, against the title holder of Anthony Joshua. And I had posted, the, and it was a unanimous decision. I think they had given Anthony Joshua maybe two, three rounds. I literally may give him two rounds. And if it wasn't for literally having maybe 10 seconds on the clock, Anthony Joshua would have got knocked out in the 10th round. I mean, in the in the 12th round. Ultimately, Yusek kind of just puts him on the map. I looked a little bit more after him and see how really good he is as a fighter. And he's le- he's a legit contender. He didn't. This is not a one-off. If you look at Vasily Lomachenko, they're both Ukrainian, and he's the third Ukrainian to ever hold the belt. I believe the other one, the other two, were the Klitschkos. So really, uh, congratulations to Alexander Yusek. Put a masterful class, uh, um, you know, uh, out there in the ring, and it just really shows like. To me, Anthony Joshua was just a name. I get it. Anthony Joshua is a really good, is a fighter. and But to me, he was just a name. You have, let me just look at this thing real quick. Anthony Joshua's record kind of shows it. And to me, I never really saw Anthony Joshua as, uh, a, what, what, do you, what do you call it, a, a world-class boxer. He just knocks out people. Uh, how many knockouts does he have? So he's twenty four and two. This is his record now. Twenty four and two. One of them coming from a, a TKO from Andy Ruiz, which he won. So he's out of his twenty four wins, he has twenty two knockouts. But if you really kind of look at his opponents, you know, Andy Ruiz was undefeated to a degree. Andy Ruiz had lost one, I believe. Andy Ruiz. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Yo, Pavetkin, he had won him. Pavetkin was a good fighter, though. You know, that's whatever. You know, you look at, but you look at these are all unanimous decision, uh, unanimous decision, TKO, 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 TKO. You're fighting guys that aren't, you know, Eric Molina, uh, 25 and 3. I will say this, like like with Brasil and all that at that time, you know, these guys were undefeated fighters. But these guys weren't world-class fighters. Don't get me wrong. Anthony Joshua has power. But to me, it really doesn't mean anything. And when it comes to like that standing point of fighters. Because when you, in order to beat fighters like Yusek, you have to fight them. You can't go into their fights like trying to outbox them. You're not going to do that. You're playing to their thing. You're behind the scorecards. All of a sudden, you have to play desperate. And then you fight. There's a thing. Uh, you have to fight boxers. And you have to box fighters, and that's exactly what 
And Anthony Joshua was neither a fighter or a boxer. He was trying, I guess. But overall, you know, it was a really, really good bout for a little bit. Joshua did keep it entertaining, but lost. And what this means for the heavyweight division is that we're getting close to a unification bout. And Yusek, to me, should be in the driver's seat for pound for pound. He should be number one pound for pound. He's doing things that Canelo couldn't do. Um, Canelo never unified a division, first of all. And Canelo ha hasn't hold simultaneously multiple belts in those divisions. In any of those divisions. I mean, don't get me wrong, Canelo has a lot of belts, but he still isn't unified. He unified, uh, I'm talking about, now I'm talking about Yusek. Yusek has unified the cruiserweight division before moving up. Which everyone thought, eh, you're fighting Anthony Joshua and you gotta come up with it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. But ultimately, one, now everyone's going to be watching in November because right now, I thought we were going to, I said this a couple episodes back, like within almost a week, within two weeks, we're getting three good boxing matches. And now we're only getting another boxing match because Teofio Lopez, for the third time, now has to be delayed another, what, 12 days? It was uh, recently reported that Teofimo Lopez wanted to change the date because now they can't fight over. He can't, he's not selling out, so on and so forth. And this is just a mess on Triller's end. Like, why on earth would you? Because because you want to take a piece of the pie, just stick to celebrity boxing, and celebrity fights. You have no business going into the actual boxing realm and trying to get purses for fights. You were supposed to have this fight in what? March, February or March, you had it scheduled for June, then a uh, a a real date in August, and then pushed back another couple months because you couldn't get a venue. Now you get a venue in the Hulu Theater, which because you thought you got Madison Square Garden, Madison Square Garden said no, and then you had to go to the Hulu Theater, couldn't sell out the Hulu Theater, and now you're gonna do they try to do this at Barclay Center. It's on the 16th. At this point, bro, I hope Teofimo Lopez loses, bro. Like. I, I, he's just not taking this seriously, man. Like, why are you going to keep delaying this every single time? So, yeah, 16th, that's who will fight. Mike Garcia makes his return in the lightweight division also. So that's a really good thing, same day, 16th. But ultimately, the 9th is kind of the fate of the of the heavyweight division. Yeah, uh, Deontay Wilder versus, um, what's his name, Tyson Fury. Um... I think it's gonna be a complete. You're gonna see a completely different Wilder. Do I think Wilder wins? Technically, yes or no. Uh, you, to me, it's just if Wilder really thinks he can win, and re really takes his boxing uh, his boxing IQ to the next level, then he has to not headhunt for the first round. This isn't like the Stavern fight, where he headhunted the first round completely. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. My eye, my eye was getting twitchy on me real quick. Because we saw with, with Stavern that he was headhunting that first round. He, obviously, he got him out in the first round. But there's a... People like Tyson Fury. He's just going to bob and weave your shit. And try to get you out there as fast as possible. Do I think it's a lot different? Yes. I think Deontay Wilder didn't take it seriously. I just think he knows him just throwing around... He, lazy jabs and all that isn't going to work again for a fighter like this. I think Tyson Fury isn't taking this seriously, and I think that's going to be his downfall. 
for this entire fight. I do have Deontay Wilder winning via T uh, via TKO or even a knockout. I just don't think it's gonna be a first round. I think Deontay's gonna chop away at that body and then headhunt to a degree. I, I there are gonna be knockdowns. That that's for sure. So I can't wait for that. October 9th. Please watch that. Now that we're kind of done with boxing and all that stuff, let's really get into week three. Uh, week three was pretty cool. You know, I was, I was just chilling watching week three the entire time. Uh, my dad had won some money through my picks, so we'll get to the we'll get to the super six picks at the end of it. So if you guys are here for the for the picks and all that stuff, uh, by all means, you know, go check it out towards the tail end of the show. I will, you know, give us the picks, what, what I did right, what I did wrong. But for right now, we're talking about the NFL, what my my week three takeaways are, and obviously talking about the San Francisco 49ers. But let's just talk about the Niners for a minute. Niners ultimately had a a, a really, really great game. Uh, not, I wouldn't say a great game. I would say more like a, a game that could have went terribly for the Niners and what I mean by that was Niners ultimately were getting bullied for them they got outplayed by at their own game I said it confidently Batiari not being out this is going to be a huge huge favor for the Niners and then their second string got hurt and I'm like oh dude Nick Bosa that's it the Niners defense defensive line they got manhandled for a little bit. They did give a lot of pressure to Rodgers, but at the end of the day, Rodgers came out being victorious. Uh, if I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, bro, like, with uh, what was this thing? He was 23 of 32 with 69.7% uh, 69 uh, completion rating. He had 261 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and, you know, the fantasy points or whatever. The fantasy points are there. Don't care about fantasy points. He did... Well, you know, at one point, Aaron Rodgers was like 12 for 12 when he threw it under four seconds. And then you look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo had a productive day as well. Jimmy Garoppolo was, let me see, 26 of 40, I believe that's what it is. Uh, 25 of 40, I'm sorry. 25 of 40 uh, with 257 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception, and a fumble uh, with 62.5%. And this is like a not a realistic thing we see from Jimmy Garoppolo a lot. I'm not talking about the the thing the the like oh the, you know the interception we kind of get that ever so often with with Jimmy Garoppolo. He tried to he didn't get it last week, and he definitely you know happened this week. It was a it was a it was a bad game for for Jimmy in, in my eyes. Ultimately, though, Jimmy Garoppolo, his last game-ending drive to potentially win the game showed me the heart Jimmy has. But what's super, like, really off about this is the 25 of 40. That's not a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque type of day. Jimmy Garoppolo usually tries to keep that within the 20s to 30 to the 30 pass attempt range. Ultimately, uh, rushing, I think they outbeat the Niners. It was Aaron Jones had... What, 82 yards on 19 attempts, one touchdown. And then Dillian had uh, six of 18. Overall, I believe the rushing was 100 yards to 63. And that was the game. Uh, passing yards, 253 to 231. Similar. Uh, it was just a rushing attack. You look at, you know, Trey Sermon. I feel like they were babying Sermon. You know, Trey Sermon was, you know, highly doubtful. Passed the, he passed the, 
the concussion protocol and then I'm planning him. I think they babied him because they have nobody else. But you look at the rushing attempts, you have Trey Sermon with 31, Kyle Juszczyk with 14, George Kittle with 9, Ayuk with 8, Garoppolo with 4, Lance with 1 yard. We'll get to Lance in a minute. And then Debo Samuel with 0 yards with on 2 attempts. But we go to receiving, you know, like Devon, this is my thing. And a, a, a portion of this, I do blame DeMarco Ryans on this. And I do miss Robert Sala for, like, these kind of games. But you look at let's look at receiving yards. This was a well game for the Niners. But, obviously, Devontae Adams with 100 and, 132. Uh, Valdez Scantling with 59. Uh, Lazard with 42. Aaron Jones with 14. Adelian with 8. And the rest just go dwindling down to the 1 and 3 yards. The basically Devontae Adams and Scantling had the game, and you can say Lazard also. George Kittle with the 92 yards with an incredible 30 to 25 yard run. I think his longest was a 39 yarder. Uh, Debo Samuels with 52. Brandon Ayuk with a touchdown with 37. Yush check with the 37. Uh, Muhammad Sanu with 39, I believe, 36, and then Sermon with two yards. And I wouldn't say, like, obviously this is a passing game. They're going to beat them all the time. But George Kittle got act- George Kittle got active in this game. He-, he was the reason the Niners were kept alive. Brandon Ayuk, I did say we were going to try to see a Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuels-esque type of day. And we kind of didn't get that. But what I do see the bright side of Brandon Ayuk is the touchdown. I think that's just a huge confidence booster. He was on. He was, he only dropped two passes. Out of six targets, he caught four of them for 37 yards. As much as this was a decent game, I think this is a step in the right. Uh, this is a um, I really don't know how to put it. Like a step in the right, a step in the right direction for Brandon, and hope he continues that. Kyle Yuschek with a monstrous touchdown towards the end to put him on the lead. Overall, just you know, you got to give it to them. I think the defense did play a huge part of it because these are my takeaways from the game. On the defensive side, and I've said it before, the secondary worries me. You're going against Seattle. Tyler Lockett's on a, on a, a tangent. But you look at what happened this week. They were scoreless in the second half. So that kind of just says something. Josh Norman went out uh, with a chest injury, but he wants to continue to play, and that just shows the heart he has to compete. Uh, my For the, another one I have is Bosa. Bosa was bullying the defensive line and the defensive line lines played so sloppy because they were doubling Bosa and Bosa was still getting quarterback pressures and nobody won their, their man on like the one-on-ones and they have to win those, you know, um, red zones. They were amazing in the red zone for a little bit. You know, this could have gone, this could have gone terribly for the Niners. I believe there was like five red zone trips and the Niners were able to take away three of them. Because one was a turnover on downs, and the rest were just uh, kicks. So there's a potential seven points. That, this could have easily been a 38-28 type of game. Or 38 or a 41 type of game. And, you know, you only get just get better from that. Penalties, you were he had about five penalties on him worth 100, and, 100 plus yards. Unacceptable. I believe two of them were, uh, were terribly called. The rest, Fred Warner got beat on a play. You know, sometimes you just got to accept that, man. Um, and for 32 seconds, 
this is what I mean by like I blame the defensive coordinator and I miss Robert Sala for these certain type of situations is that sort of that sort of situational defense where okay you know Aaron Rodgers can do whatever he wants with 30 seconds you put him at the 25 he only needs to go to the 45 yard line and his kicker is pretty much golden in the 50 yard range so why on earth are you not doubling Devontae Adams and forcing everybody else to try and catch the ball? Because look at this. Devontae Adams, number one receiver. Why was there nobody there? When Devontae caught that 20-yard catch, he was in he was on his own island. Besides Fred. If he was like two inches taller. No. You should have forced Valdez Scantling to try to catch one. Lazar to catch one. Force everybody else to try and catch that ball besides Devontae. I would rather sacrifice one for Devontae and not have Devontae hit it. You know what I mean? That that that's that's all on DeMarco Ryan, bro. Like to me that that 30 second like disaster was all on DeMarco Ryan. So the defense too, defense you got outplayed. You corners, they were worrying me. I said it all se- I'm going to say this all season. They don't have legitimate corners. Just yet, uh, Emmanuel Mosley played good for his first time back after injury. Diamador Lenore still got to work on that. And Josh Norman. It's going to be a rough season for this defense if they're going to continue like this. The Niners, and the Niners only got like one sack with like six pressures. Like, come on, man. Like, you guys got to do better. Uh, offensive, um, and the offensive side, it was just really sloppy. Um, the offensive line choked. How do you guys not allow a sack last game and allow three sacks this game with a defense that's far worse than the Eagles? Uh, and Jimmy's had a great drive. You know, Jimmy had a a decently bad game. I still don't think this is called for Trey Lance just yet. Uh, and we're going to talk about Trey Lance. Uh, last but not least, uh, Trey Lance was the spark of the second half, gave him the motivation. And I've kind of been saying this for a minute. Is I don't mind the, I don't mind the whole uh, the the whole not splitting reps, but giving Trey and easing him into the NFL a little bit easier if you're going to move on from Jimmy. I've said this before. This is still Jimmy's team. I still don't think Kyle Shanahan has lost any faith in Jimmy Garoppolo just yet. But I'm not saying it's getting there. But it's easier to know that that red zone. I know Jimmy was not happy of it. I know that Jimmy wanted to do, prove that he can get us down there and score. But ultimately, you need a points on the board, and Trey Lance was in that situation. You don't know what he's gonna do. They had three offensive they had three offensive wide receivers on that set. He fakes out, he fakes the pass, goes in handoff, and goes for a one yard touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo gets going, and you know the rest is history. I do definitely do think we should start seeing a little bit more of Trey Lance with the package deals. A little bit more red zone threat, I think. It, it, it just proves that you know you can get a lot more out of it. But that's overall my Niners sense. Aaron Rodgers played a great game. Nothing about it. This man, you know, he's pissed. He's playing just one. He's playing off the. It's just one bad game. But who knows? But overall, you know, the, you know, congratulations to Green Bay Packers. I still, I think, I still think I have them in the division lead. Uh, not, I, I, I don't know. I, I might have to look at that again. But overall, the Niners, a lot of stuff to work with. You played your hearts out. This game should have never been in this position. You guys should have won by at least double digits. It doesn't have to be by 20 points. I think you guys should have won by at least two touchdowns.
and we'll see them next week against Seattle. Prediction, I ain't putting any, I ain't putting any points on that, nothing. I'm just telling you that real quick. I'm watching that pure as a fan, and I believe the Niners have a chance to beat them. Have a good chance of beating them, if they can keep it scoreless and out of his hand, you know. But overall in the week, there's a lot of games that I kind of took a lot of interest in. And what I mean by that is a lot, I have a lot of, I have a lot of takeaways in this week. This week was a pretty interesting week when it comes to divisions and, you know, certain players and me just basically boasting again that I was right. I was completely right. There's, you can't tell me anything about this. I've been right. And I don't know why everyone now all of a sudden wants to get on this bandwagon of developing quarterbacks when I've been on this trend for the last six years. But let's continue. Uh, my first takeaway, the AFC West, it's a pretty interesting division. What I mean by that is, the the KC, the KC they're dead last. KC's 1-2. You have the Chargers that are now 2-1. Oakland and Denver are both 3-0. and Granite, Oakland, you had to go win two in overtime because you can't win them in, which were very winnable games. I don't care if it's Lamar Jackson or not. They did not have a run game. And Lamar Jackson played superhero, so that's why you guys tried. That's how you guys won. But granted, I will say this. Your defense is able to bail Derek Carr out when he has bad games. I'm not saying this was a bad game that he had. But overall, it, it can show that he has a good defense with them and they can compete. Um, Patrick Mahomes had like four turnovers. The, the, the Chiefs had four turnovers overall. I didn't really look into all the aspects. But it just makes this division really interesting. I still have Casey winning the division. I just don't think it's going to be very convincing. A lot of things change now with this. But I'm still not sold on the Raiders just yet. If the Raiders within week six, by by the time my week, my mid-season analysis slash rankings come out, which would be within weeks after week six, then we can talk and say maybe, maybe the, uh, you know, the Chargers have a, uh, or the Raiders or the Chargers or Denver have a legitimate chance of, you know, potentially winning the game or winning their division. Um, other one right now, Justin Fields clearly is not ready. Justin Fields got his first day on the job and boy, was that a bad one. He ended up playing Cleveland and Cleveland's actually another one of the week three takeaways, which is, uh, the Browns D line can possibly be a top three or be the number one defensive line in football. Nine sacks against a really bad game, I guess. Overall, I think it was, it it, I it was close for a quick second. Ultimately, ended up uh, taking it away. I think the Browns were favored by like eight points. My dad was like, "Give me." But what makes this stat crazy is the Browns in total yards had have one yard in like total yards. Passing yards is one yard. Think about that. It was so bad <laughs> that he was sacked nine times, 67 yards passing, and 60 yards getting uh, 67 yards passing and 66 yards lost because he got sacked. Total yards. That's crazy. Justin, let's just look at his numbers. Justin Field was six of 20, zero touchdowns, and zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Compared to Baker Mayfield's 19 of 33. 300 and, oh, I'm sorry, two, 246 yards and one touchdown. Like, there's nothing much to say here besides 
he Justin Fields will not be the answer for a while. He just won't be. He just won't be. Like, for a guy to come in so fucking cocky in the beginning of the season, being like, uh, you know, bro, like, it's it's not that bad. Uh, I thought the NFL was going to be a lot slower. I'm like, really? Okay. Then gets blasted in the, in the end. <laughs> he gets blasted so bad in the preseason. And then to get sacked nine times. I don't feel bad for this kid, bro. You thought you were cocky going into this league, and this is and I I don't want the entire everybody coming at me saying like, oh well that offensive line was so bad, and I'm like no not really. If Andy Dalton was able to get this done, how is it that Justin Fields can't? Justin Fields looks scared. Justin Fields doesn't look comfortable. He looks shook. It's the the game is too fast for him right now, and he cannot adjust. So ultimately, this is what happens. And people that are saying like Justin Fields is like the answer, yes. But you have to realize something. Andy Dalton's just a temporary fix. He's not the solution. Though it worked for him, they gotta win because of Andy Dalton. So you know, ultimately, I don't feel bad for Justin Fields. I think he needs to develop. I don't know why they even started him. You have Nick Foles there. You honestly think Justin Fields is better than Nick Foles? Is that is that what we're kind of, is that what we're getting to right now? I I don't know, man. But other than that, Justin Fields, don't feel bad for him. He could be good, but other than that, Matt Nagy is just gonna use this kid to save his ass and ruin him for the next coming years until he leaves. Uh, I already said the Browns D line have a top or number one. Uh, I'm still not sold on Arizona yet. That's my other three takeaway. I, don't get me wrong, Arizona came out came out with a good win, but ultimately. It's against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's see if I can pull that up real quick. It's 31-19. And for the longest time, it was like 16-16 until, like, I believe the fourth quarter. And don't get me wrong, Kyler Murray's still on Kyler Murray mode. but And I'm looking at this right now. Like, the rush, Jacksonville dominated against the Cardinals. That's that's kind of... It's, Kyler Murray had, what, 17 yards? He had 19 yards rushing. The longest was, what, a nine-yard run? And then everybody else, a 43-25. This, this looked, on paper, this looked bad. We could have had an upset. Ultimately, ended up covering. I'm not sold on Arizona just yet. I am almost sold on, I am almost sold on the Rams. But we'll give it another couple more weeks, and they can really figure out what's this going on with. In the NFC South... After the Bucks game, that's not going to be an easy win how I thought it was going to be for For the... Because now, obviously, they are they lost. Carolina's in first place. Obviously, granted, it's one game. Carolina's not backing down, bro. I already said this. Carolina may be my black horse of going to the Super Bowl. They're sneaky good. They have a good defense that feeds off the offense. But now, for the next three weeks, we are going to see what Sam Darnold can be like without the security blanket and Christian McCaffrey. So, can he... You know, basically, if he can get two out of three before Christian comes back, I'll be okay with that. And then the Saints, they're going to be a little bit of a problem. And that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's not going to be an easy win. I feel like until week 10, this is going to be very close. And then I believe from week 10 and above, someone's just going to run away with that division. I, I still think it's going to be the Bucks, But ultimately, they have a huge... 
they have a huge task in their hand right now with this division. I'm not saying this is a, a great division, but this is a division that can compete for that divi- for the title of it. And last but not least, last but not least, the Bucks. Did they get exposed? This is the first time we saw Tom Brady. This is an elite offense against elite offense. Matthew Stafford was on one, and you have basically Tom Brady, you know, coming off three games in a row. Uh, two games where he was just phenomenal, out just destroyed Matt Ryan, even though the Falcons were a terrible team. But ultimately, I said this, this was a battle against the defenses, and which defense is going to fold first. And that was the Bucks. They didn't have any premier corners. It was just rookies and young guys, and Matthew Stanford exposed them. He went aerial assault on them. Uh, ultimately, I think that front line, as talented as it is, you got to get a more interior people in there. Your, your pass rush isn't going to do that much if the interior isn't moving that line. And I, I, I do. I just do. I don't know. Did they get exposed? Yeah. Yay or nay? I'm gonna go with a little bit of. I'm gonna go a little bit of yay on this. But I'm kind of leaning towards nay just a little bit. You know what? I'm gonna go with. Ye. I, I think it got exposed a little bit. Not entirely, but it did get exposed. And now that we reached the final portion of the week, we are going to the final part of the week. We are here with. Eli's super pick six. Uh, let's get through week three. Uh, damn, the streak ends, guys. I thought we we're gonna go at least another week hitting all of our picks. But ultimately, uh, where we went right, and then we'll go to where we went wrong. Where we went right, Arizona Cardinals. I'm not sold on them. Kyler Murray ended up coming out clutch in the fourth quarter, and I said they win by double digits. They won by double digits. They won by double digits. The Bucks and Rams. I thought this was going to be like, and I thought the over/under was going to be at least 80 points, but it's they still passed. It was over 60. I think it was over 60 points. Uh, it was definitely over 55 points. So that was where I was right. Uh, Carolina Panthers minus seven and a half. Uh, it was minus eight. They ended up winning by like 15. Uh, they ended up winning with by double digits. So you know, I think ultimately we got to see a little bit more of Sam Darnold. Not relying on Christian McCaffrey, but like I said a couple, like a few seconds ago, we're gonna see what he's like without Christian for the next three weeks. And the Denver Broncos, they were minus twelve points, and Teddy Clutchwater yet again shuts out the entirety of the Jets. And again, Zach Wilson tried to play hero ball again. What did I say? I'm good at this shit, guys. I'm right. Develop your QBs, you know. And where I went wrong, Niners minus four. Green Bay just came to play, and Green Bay played better. I'm surprised the Niners even lost by this much, of just three points. And Seattle and Minnesota. What went wrong is with, I think, just Seattle was scoreless in the second half. That something happened. I didn't get to watch the game, but something in that offensive line couldn't get it right because i seen he got sacked at least four times in that game. But those were week three rights and wrongs. Um, the, basically what I do with the week, what, uh, with these three weeks, uh, for the picks is I'm giving guys, you guys don't have to go buy all of these. I'm just giving you guys options. So if you guys don't know what you want to bet on, you know, you have something, you don't have to take all six to heart. These are what I'm just very confident in. I said, I'd guarantee you that the third one, the Niners minus four, I guaranteed you that. And I lost it happens, but I ended up not picking. I didn't, end up, I did not end up going and betting this time this week i'm gonna do it next week for sure 
But my dad ended up picking the Cardinals and the Bucks, and he ended up picking the Niners over under, and he ended up picking the Cleveland by points. So he did take a couple of my picks, and that's really cool that my dad like trusts me like that. So it's pretty cool. But let's get on to weeks four pickums. These are my picks six. Again, if you guys don't know, I give you three guaranteed, and the other three I'm very confident in. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. Uh, first pick. I'm picking Cleveland. I'm going to pick the over-under on Cleveland. Cleveland, Minnesota. Minnesota put up 30. Cleveland put up 26. 52.5 points. I'm pretty sure by the end of the week, it's probably going to be about 53, 50. So I'm definitely going to take the over on this one. Baker Mayfield's playing good. You're at least getting one or two touchdowns from him per game. Odell Eldo Beckham's back. Their rush is starting to become a lot more. And that defensive line, they're getting takeaways from it. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins is playing exceptional football, getting those touchdowns going. He's playing at a high level right now. I got the over-under 52.5 points. Arizona and the LA Rams. I think this is going to be in one of those shootout type of games. A true shootout type of game. LA Rams put up 34. Arizona put up 30. I'm going to take the over-under on this one. New Orleans. New Orleans. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints on this one. If I can find the New Orleans Saints on this. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to take the minus 7.5. Most likely will be 8 points by the end of the week. Uh, New York Giants, to me, I'm they're just trash. I'm sorry. Yeah, It's one of those games where these are, these are just give-me's. Those are my three guaranteed picks. Let's go to the last Three. I got Buffalo minus 17 points. Buffalo's playing this one. This one's crazy. Buffalo in Buffalo playing Houston. Houston don't even know what they're getting right now. I don't think Tyrod's coming back anytime soon. Taking Buffalo minus 17. They tore up at a talented defense in Washington. Houston doesn't relatively have a decent defense. I think they have a bad defense. It's gonna be a great day. For Buffalo, Detroit. I'm gonna take Detroit plus three for Chicago to be, even be in the conversation of being to be even a minus three. I think Justin Fields is gonna have a bad day. Don't get me wrong, Chicago defense is a for real defense. That's a good defense. I just think the Detroit offense is gonna do something. They have a rushing attack. Can't deny it. They almost did it against the Niners. And Jared Goff will probably sling around those corners. He'll test the secondary. And last but not least, I got Tennessee against the Jets. Tennessee, they are minus 7.5. That is a true give me. I don't care if they're in New York. New York, you are garbage. This may just be the safe pick for the rest of the season. Bet anything on New York. Bet anything against New York. So Tennessee is minus 7.5. Most likely will be 8 by the end of the week. Here are, again, my reviews of the week four pick six. I got the Cleveland over under 52 points, the Arizona under 54 points, New Orleans minus seven, Buffalo minus 17, Detroit plus three, and I have Tennessee minus seven and a half, eight points by the end of the week. Those are my super pick six. And that will be the end of this episode, guys. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. I probably will do a double upload I couldn't get the last episode out because, uh, well, shit happens, and I lost the file. 
not, I, I deleted the file, but that's, that's neither here or there, okay? Don't judge me. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. If you guys want to follow this podcast, you guys can follow us on tw- uh, on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we're pretty much always there. If you guys want to follow me on IG, which is the Vintage City Kings, Z at the end, that's how you spell it. If you can't spell, I'm sorry, I'm not spelling it out for you. I'm not trying to embarrass myself. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. I'll see you sometime this week. Hopefully, I can get another episode out. And I will be on my merry way to edit this and post it by day. Peace.